What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Hellback, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. All right. So on today's show, we're going to talk about how do you screen tenants in New York and how come you need to be even more diligent about this in our state versus the 40, no, probably 40 other states because there's some bad states too out there. So uh, Michael, you've been in the rental business, I what, since 2003 or something like that? 2004. I bought my first rental. Yeah. Let's talk about that real quick. So you've been doing this for best, basically 20 years. Like, wh- How did you end up getting into your first rental? I mean, that was a long time ago. So I was working in the mortgage business and money was basically being given away for free. Um, not that the rates were crazy low, but just like you can just, you can get 100%. I didn't get 100% financing, but you could have got 100% financing back then in the early 2000s and um, I decided, hey, I want to be a landlord. Um, And I bought two, they actually were both single families, but they had three, so they each had two illegal units in them. So I bought two illegal three families, (laughs) one in Elmont and one in Inwood near my house. And I said, I'm going to be a landlord. And uh, I jumped in, I I was told that Section 8 housing, Section 8 was great. I didn't understand what the hell Section 8 was. And um, oh and I learned uh, I learned how to deal with tenants uh, through the school of hard knocks. That's how it, Ooh, that's how it happened. UHK has a high tuition, bro. A lot higher yes. than people think. All right. So you, you become a landlord. It's 2004. Obviously, a completely different planet. What have you learned? And then we'll start breaking it all down. What have you learned in your basically two-decade career of landlording when it comes to screening tenants? We'll cover the principles, and then we'll break it down into tacticals. What are your your snapshot advice of getting tenants? So what I found through the years is, and this is obviously different in every area, because you can you can insist as a landlord that I want my tenants to show a, a you know a good amount of income and have good credit and have sterling background checks. But if you're buying in certain areas, those are not the kinds of people that are going to look to move into your air, into your apartment. So you have to adjust your criteria what i found and i rented a lot of units in a lot of areas is that nobody had good credit i don't think i ran a credit report that had over a 600 score ever on a, on a credit screen it's crazy so what i came up with and i didn't realize at the time that it was a good screening tool and of course subsequently our governor andrew Cuomo made what i'm about to say illegal but i'll tell you a workaround <laughs> is that if i asked for two months security and the first month's rent, so they needed three months' rent. So if I was renting in a place for two, uh, renting a place for fifteen hundred, they needed to come up with forty five hundred. That I inevitably got better tenants. That the people that were able to save were better. And I'm not saying I never evicted someone who had that issue, but in general, what I noticed through the years that I went through a bunch of tenants is that if any, even a mention of the of coming up with enough with coming up with three months funds 
came up. I'm talking about literally a guy would say to me, uh, not literally, but on some level, the guy would say, well, I have an example I gave, you need 4,500. I have 4,200 for you now, but I'll get you the other 300 in a week, something like that. No. Whenever that happened, that was a guy that I, that got, that got uh, evicted. Right. So, so I just made it a rule and never told the tenant this, but if they brought up anything about the, about the three months that they were out, I talked their took the application and tossed it. And the people that were willing that came up with three months and didn't have a problem with it. Yeah. And of course, I'm sure there were plenty of tenants that I screened where I told them you need two months security in the first month. They never even applied, but the people that had no problem with it in general were a much better level of tenant. And I'm talking about, I, I had section eight tenants. I had DSS, which is department of social service tenants. I had tenants on a lot of different, um, programs and i had full full um full market paying tenants weren't on a program and i have a lot of thoughts on those two things but inevitably whatever they were doing if they were if they were coming up if they could come up with three months rent they were better now unfortunately right before the pandemic our disgraced ex-governor andrew como said you're not allowed to ask for two months uh security which is the craziest thing in the world but he said you weren't allowed to. So I believe what I could do now, which is not illegal, I sure hope it's not illegal, is that I can ask for first month's rent, one month security, and last month's rent. So I'm still getting the three months. It doesn't matter. And they just don't have to pay me rent the last month. I think that's, that is okay. Um, but speak to your local uh, uh, housing court about that. Um, so I, I still believe that that is the best screening tool that exists. Because I've, I've had people whose credit was horrible. But if they could save and they had money, you know, 19 out of 20 ended up not, not getting evicted. Interesting. Yeah. Cause you're basically getting a lot of skin. You're getting skin in the, they have skin in the game. They have something. Know, once in a while was some crazy thing where like the tenant just inherited some money and gave it to me and then ended up being a, 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 a zero that happens once in a while. Create, cra- I had a crazy tenant. Once. Yeah. But, um, but most of the time it wasn't the case. Most of the time it was somebody who showed that they had, they had an ability to save, which usually means that they're, they're going to be more responsible. Interesting. Okay. That's a good way to look at it because there's a lot of ways to skin the cat when it comes to screening tenants in New York. And, and you, just, yeah. what, what I know for sure is that somebody who has good credit and good income, that can change dramatically. And if they're living paycheck to paycheck as a vast majority of not just renters, but anybody, even Anything. owners are, yeah. Then anything comes up, it becomes your problem, and that—that's really what you don't want. And that happens. That happens a lot around Christmas time, where they start people start calling you and saying, well, you know, I'm going to be short. Uh, I need money for presents, that kind of thing, and or or whatever. My car broke down. Those are the things that you don't want to hear, right? And I've said to people, I've Heard said that. straight, I've said straight up to people, listen, your problems cannot become my problems. You have to deal with your problems yourself. And sometimes they're taken aback by it, but I think overall they understand that. Like I, I don't care. Don't give me your sob stories, right? I'm not, I don't want to hear it. Just pay, pay the rent. You want to be two weeks late? That's fine. But just pay by the end of the month, and I'm 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 fine with it. Yeah, interesting. Because that this is the reason this is so important in New York is because of the obvious challenge of evicting people. Or I, I call Joe Finner and our good mutual friend says relocation of tenants. Evicting sounds like you're stabbing someone with a pitchfork. Relocation sounds like you're picking them up by their bootstraps. What? He's very wise when it comes to that. He's actually right. We should take He's that. Like we should a, take that. We should take a word out of our vocabulary. Yeah. Relocation court is in session. Smack. <laughs> anyway, so I I have done a different strategy, uh, and I'll just share it because I learned this from our another good friend Devin King, who's been on the show a few times. 
and I didn't know this until he said this to me. And I, cause I, my first experience in the rental game was inherited tenants, which obviously could be either great or it could be a shit show. It's usually a shit show for obvious reasons. So I was asking Devin a couple months ago, cause I had some new tenants I had to place. And I said, you know, what, what's your process on doing this? And he said, you know, he said a bunch of great stuff, but the one thing that I took away from our conversation was the credit score is the collateral. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, here's the thing, bro. Cause he's got like 10 properties now, I think, or 11. He said, if they have a good credit score and this is long Island might be different than Hudson Valley, even though it's the same thing. All of the stuff that we have is in pretty decent areas for the most part. So he said, listen, if from his experience, if a tenant has good credit, which could obviously change, a lot of the people don't want to lose the good credit because they might want to buy a house after that. And if, if they have good credit, they most likely don't want to lose the good credit by defaulting on a lease. <laughs> and I said, that makes a lot of sense. I said, that no, makes I, agree. I actually agree with that. I think, and I think if I, if I was renting in a better areas or I had one rental yeah. or I was renting in a house that I was living in, yeah. I would, I would absolutely use that as a, as a frame. I just found, I remember the first time I was screening tenants where I was running everybody's credit. I was in the mortgage business. So I could run credit for free and I was running credit reports by the dozen, right? I was getting 30 people showing up in an hour. So I'm just running credit like crazy and every one was crap. So I'm like, this doesn't work. Like I, yeah. I need another criteria. I can't, no one's, no one has a, you know, a 620. No one has anything. So, Oh my God, a 620. I'd have a heart attack for me. Right. That's so you, you, if, you, if you have that luxury or you have the time to be selective, then it's a beautiful way to do it. I, I, be, I believe he's right. It's yeah. just that it, I don't, it, it, if you're, if you're renting in certain areas, you're, you're going to, it's going to be people with good credit. Can be few and far They're between. not going to want to live there. there. Exactly. So right. this is definitely zip code and neighborhood dependent. So I, I ended up taking his advice. I opened up a new rental, right? So I put it on the market by myself. I didn't even use an agent, which is another thing I could talk about, but I listed at FISBO or FURBO in this case. And uh, I got a bunch of applications. I did Zillow. I use Zillow like rental manager, which is actually pretty cool. It's free. And I, I have a system now that works pretty well. So I, I send everybody, it's almost like a cash buyer thing. Like, if somebody reaches out, I send them a Google form and the Google form has like basic questions, name, phone number, email address, credit score, job income, how long have you lived there? Just, just basic shit. Nothing to like high impact as Eric Brewer would say. And then if they don't make it through that, I just don't even, I just don't even call them back. Uh, it's just not worth it. But then if they make it through that and I get from 10 to three, let's call it, you know, 10 to three. Then I'll, I'll send them another link, which well, actually, no, that's not true. I'll call them at that point, make sure they're not too sketchy. And then at that point, like if there's any red flags, I'll eliminate. I try to get to one for the most part. And then the, the, the one person that seems to me like they're going to get the property, I'll kind of loosely say, like, I think I'm going to give this to you. I'll then give them a, uh, I use a software called Door Loop. It's really, 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 really nice to use as for, for property management. So I send them a Door Loop link. And then they apply through door loop and then they pay, they, the key is they pay for the credit search. So usually when I get their credit report, it lines up with what they told me. And then I look at the, I study the credit report. I make sure that like, if they've never missed payments, it shows me the whole fucking enchilada. Right. And at that point, you know, they, what they say, and then what I see is usually similar and um, we fucking rock and roll. We make sure they have income. We make sure that they're not sketchy on the phone. And they, I put them, I put the property in a lockbox. They go see it themselves and no need for me to go there. So here's another scenario. So I had, that was for subject property A. Subject property B, which is in a 
shittier area, uh, <laughs> neighborhood called Mountain Lodge Park, where your cousin becomes your lover pretty quickly. And, uh, and just being honest, I'm being honest here. This is the truth podcast. So, <laughs> so anyway, so this, I knew in Mountain Lodge, I was going to get some hair. I knew, and I actually had a broker listed for me because the tenant pays the broker, which is awesome. Didn't cost me anything. So he lists the property. We get some dicey, we get some dicey people applying and, you know, I, I disqualified a lot of the app because he'd send me the application and I'd say, no, 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 no. So we got a really good one. And these people uh, haven't been living in America for that long. I'll say that. And they don't have a credit established. And I said, listen, the guy's name is a Hasidic guy. His name was Mordecai. Great, great guy. I said, listen, I like these people. They're great, but they don't have a credit score. So I don't know what I'm dealing with here. So they, here's the key here. We had motivated tenants who were about to have a baby. I think the baby might've been born in the jacuzzi tub for all I know, because the lady was like pregnant, you know, and this is all happening and I'm not even there. Where is this mountain lodge? It's in Monroe, but it's a bad neighborhood. Oh, okay. it's, 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 it's Monroe zip code, but it's really in like Washingtonville, Blooming Grove. It's not, it's not like- There Monroe. are, are Hasidim moving in there? Not Hasidim, but Hasidim buy there and they have rentals. I'll buy it to rent. Got it. Yeah, got it. Dude, that's all they do. The whole Orange County is like that. So okay. anyway, so I'm like, listen, like I want to work with these people, but I need, there needs to be some sort of collateral here. Like I, I need some skin in the game. So they ended up getting someone from their job to co-sign the lease who has really good credit. So I made an exception to the rule and I put her on the lease and she's the, they don't speak English. I don't think so. She actually just communicate No, they don't, they don't like, so she, that was another caveat. They didn't speak English. So then the person who co-signed the lease is the one who communicates with me. So it's actually good. She's like the de facto property manager. So if there's ever a problem, she texts me and then I get back to her and I send contractors there. So if you're, if, if you have a tenant who is a scenario like that, or maybe their credit's shitty, but they really want to move in there and you want to make an exception to the rule, you can have someone co-sign the lease. And if they have good credit, then they're sure. next on the line. So there's a way like to a loan. You can, you can do the same thing with a loan. You hope that, uh, you hope that it's not an issue, but it's a, it's definitely makes you more comfortable. Yeah. Listen, ide listen, ideally you would qualify every tenant like you qualify somebody for a mortgage, which is that they their gross income is three times what the rent is. That that oh we didn't mention that that's what I look for too that's huge. Right. Very you want pro you want proof of income, which is not always available to get. You want it to be three times the rent. Yep. And their credit score would be you know at least uh, six fifty or you know even better over seven hundred. That's what you hope for. But my experience in my the areas that I've owned rentals has been that I'm, it's very hard to find that. So everybody, you have to screen tenants different ways, but there are a couple of things you, that I would tell you to look out for. So first of all, okay. whatever, even if you're only charging two months, right? Which I think is a mistake. I think you should always charge more. Um, anybody who gives you any kind of trouble with with what they have to put down, my cousin's going to bring it. I have some in cash. Ooh. I'll pay three months. Just say, okay, and never speak to them again. That's number one. Number two is you want to ask questions about their previous landlord. And if they start talking crap about the previous landlord, you've got to understand that, that is going to be you. So if they start saying, my landlord's a jerk and he didn't fix the toilet one day and my bulbs were out, like that is a clear red flag for you to run away from that tenant because they're going to talk crap about you the same way they're talking about the last night. Now, you may think, well, that other landlord's a jerk and I'm great and I'm never going to let that happen. It's a basic victimhood mentality that if people get into, they're going to use it against you. Um, also, if they, you know, you, you want, ideally, you want a reference that's from a previous landlord, not their current landlord. Because, and I can tell you I've done this, 
If I have a problem tenant and somebody calls me and says, hey, is this a good tenant? I'm saying he's the best tenant ever. I just I want that, that motherfucker year. out of my out. place. I, I, myself out. Foot. I yeah. will lie till I die to get that guy out. So you want a guy who's not out already, right? Like a previous landlord, like two. Because that guy, to tell you the truth, he's got nothing to gain. Got nothing by to lose. Yeah. Right. Um, and so those are the things to really, really look out for. And the, you, you got to understand that the traditional ways of, of – of, so obviously I told you the perfect way, right? The guy can show you pay stubs and W-2s that he makes three times the rent and he's got a good credit score and he's got the money for the, for whatever you're asking down, then he's golden. I wouldn't go any further. I'd use I'd, – I'd, I'd, I'd give him the lease right there. Um, but if you don't have that, then you have to think about these other things. So those are really, really, really bad red flags that a lot of, 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 of guys, uh, a lot of landlords miss. Right, and they all think, well, I'm nice. The previous I must be a jerk, but you're you're going to be the next jerk if you if you if you if you have somebody like that. Yep. So you want to also people that are that are on controlled substances when they come to see the house, it's probably something you should watch out for. What I have people who like, what do you? I mean, like smoking a a J or or being super erratic, like they miss their 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 latest fix. Well, something like that, like you got to look out for obvious signs of drug use. That happens, right? It happens. And you got to be careful. Guys that look drunk, that are slurring their words when they come to look, right? Like you got to stay away from those guys, right? Those are just going to be problems for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, oh my God. But you also have to be very, very careful about what you say to them um, because you cannot, the laws are so restrictive now about what you're allowed to deny somebody for. That you're much better off just never responding than you are saying, I'm sorry, this doesn't work, didn't work out. Because if anything would slip, if the person would go, you know, was it my income? And you say, yes, you're opening yourself up to violations of, of, of fair housing. Like, it should if make sense. If you can't discriminate on their income, I'd be like, what the there's fuck? There's all kinds of things you can't discriminate against, right? You can't. So you don't want to say anything. If you say nothing, it's almost impossible to hang anything on you. If you say anything, someone can find a reason. So yeah. You know, you, I, I've, I've had people call me and say, did I get it? I'm like, I'm sorry. No, I just, uh, or I sometimes I'll, I'll say, you know, it wasn't my call. It was somebody else's decision. But um, you got to be very, very careful. What you're, allowed, you're, 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 you're not allowed to say how many children you have. Like, you're really, technically, you're not even asked how big your family is. It's crazy. But you're not allowed to discriminate on family size. So, you know, people always say, oh, I'm looking. You know, I see old time landlords all the time. I'm looking for one person in my two bedroom apartment. I'm like, one person in a two-bed farm. Yeah, they want to use it as a den. And I'm like, you're going to get a lot of people with more than one, one. you know, if it's a one-bedroom, you can do that, or if it's a studio. But you you've, you got to be very, very careful. The laws get more and more restrictive. So you are you should always ignore people. I, I, when people apply, I say, listen, if your application is accepted, I will reach out to you. If I don't call you back, it, it probably means you weren't accepted. And that's it. I don't yeah. even say it needs worse. I say it probably means that. I don't even want. I want to be as vague as possible. Yeah. Right. No, and, I, and I. So you want to be careful because it's just not worth the hassle. When I was in the mortgage business, I never told the story. Uh, maybe I told you, but let me hear this. Uh, this is a secret. Secret time. But one day, a woman comes in. A white woman comes in, and she has a very, very specific loan that she's looking for, and very specific weird circumstances. She didn't have an address of the property. It was bizarre, and she said, "What's your rate?" And I gave her a rate, I don't know, like seven and a quarter or six and a quarter, let's say, with the rate that day. And then the next day, a black woman came in with the same absurd, ridiculous story. So it was clearly someone who was testing us for discrimination. 
I mean, it was yeah. obvious. I mean, I remember I went to the, the owner of the company. I'm like, we just got tested. And I gave the second one. The rates had gone down a little, an eighth lower. But but there are people that will – there are – I don't know what government agency she was from or what private organization, but people will do that. So you have to be careful about saying anything that could be construed as a housing – as a fair housing violation. So be very, very concerned. Say as little as possible. There are guys who just run their mouth off and say, I'm not – you know, they'll say – you can't say things that I've heard people say. Right, I'm not looking for certain types of people. You can't even say that. Oh my god, dude! So you can't you can't say anything even remotely close to that. So be very, very, very careful when you're screening. But again, look for the obvious red flags. If you're in an area where you can get or you have the time to wait for someone who can get three times gross income, three times the rent gross income, and has a strong credit score of 700 or above, 680 or above, whatever you want to do it, then that, that'll that'll likely be a very good tenant. But um, short of that, I would say try and ask for the three months if you can, first month, last month. But if you're not the state, you can ask for ten months security if you want. But um, here you got you got to be limited. But those are the way those are the ways that I that I usually screen tenants. I have a very I have a pretty lengthy application that I give them. Electronic um, or physical? I usually meet them there physically because I like I said because I want to see what I remember. I talked about obvious signs of drug use. Like I want to see it. Yeah, right? yeah. Like I, people have left, and I made notes. Like no way, right? Like I had, I had a woman. Came, I had a woman come in. She was very nice. She looked professional, and then like her her boyfriend saunters in, clearly high as a kite, at, drunk, high. I don't know what he is. Can't walk two steps and forward. And she, as soon as he came in, she her face dropped because he blew it for her. Like I wasn't gonna rent him. That guy's gonna be a problem forever. So. <laughs> You got it. I want to see them right now. If you're if you're not there, it's obviously more difficult. But um, th- those are some of the ways that some of the ways that I screen right. And and there are there are a lot of tools, electronic tools to use. Does Door Loop take automatic payments also? Yes. Yep. That's yeah, nice. That's the greatest thing today. That's the accounting software is what I use it for. Really, it's great for the accounting software and the C- it's a CRM. Right, so there, there was a, an amazing company called uh, Cozy.co. It was from England. It was an amazing company. They, I don't know how they made their money. It was almost free. And they were perfect. And Apartments.com bought them and immediately shut them down because wow. they were too, much better than whatever Apartments.com had. Now, why Apartments.com didn't just take their technology and use it, I have no idea. But um, – there are, I'm sure there's people who have come to the forefront. Uh, companies like, I never heard of Doorloop. There's a million companies out there. What's that rent that that rental company that you you interviewed a guy who has it? Uh, oh, uh, oh, Rent Perfect. Rent Perfect. So there are there are there are software out there that you should absolutely use. Ideally, you should tell the tenants when they come, all rent is collected electronically. Don't even oh, give that's, them. That's that. a rule for me. I will not right. accept rent not electronically. Exactly. Zell's my exception. I'll do Zell. That's fine. Okay, and I would say you have to use my software. Yeah. Right. If it's if it's a software that works mobile with Apple or iPhone, there's with Apple or Android, there's anybody out there who doesn't have one. So you just lay down that rule the second the tenant comes in, and you will save yourself a a, a, a lifetime of heartaches because totally. it's brilliant and it and it takes it out automatically with an ACH. Even if you have to pay a few percentage points, and there are people who go, I'm not paying two percent. It's worth it. It's worth it. Right. First of all, it's an auto. It's an auto debit. Yep. So it, it they almost don't think about it. They, or after a while, they make sure the money is in there. If it, if it misses once or twice, then they can do it after. It's a it's a huge it's a huge time saver and a huge uh, um, 
what's a stress reliever. So yeah. it set those things up day one. You're here. This is the way I collect rent. Not I sometimes like not do you have a computer? Not can you work electronically? Not do you have any images? This is how I work. You need to be set up immediately. All right. When cozy, I used to take the I used to take the um, security payments too. I mean, it was brilliant. It would, it would have leases built in. It was such a beautiful software. Like system. Yeah, everything is accounting like it's like the because the security deposit is a liability for the landlord. But That's then, brilliant. Yeah, the rent because it's a P and L, right? So it's a, it's every property. It's fucking amazing. Question so, on sure. housing, and then we'll wrap this episode up. Sure. I can't discriminate. Obviously, this is not legal advice. So if you're listening to this fucking thing, talk to an attorney for heaven's we sake. We are not attorneys. No, no. Don't listen to us. We're two idiots. who have never done this before. I'm just kidding. Um, I can't discriminate a tenant. If I said you have a 550 credit score and you make a thousand dollars a month, like that's. I, I, I just got this from the Long Island list. Landlord obligations under fair housing laws. Oh, here we go. <laughs> what, types of landlord, what types of landlord conduct can, vi- can violate fair housing laws? Refusing to rent, negotiate, or show a property based on a potential tenant's protective characteristic. Can you be more vague than a protective characteristic? Quoting a higher rent to protect a tenant because of protect. Okay, I understand that. Offering a tenant unfavorable lease terms because of a protected characteristic. Increasing a security deposit based on the number of children who will be living in the apartment or because the prospective tenant has a disability. I can sort of understand that. Steering prospective tenants to certain neighborhoods. Oh, that's obvious. Refusing to rent a potential tenant because of their source of income, including not limited to housing choice vouchers or other government subsidies. So you are not allowed to write no programs, right? And 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 there's a ton of people who put on Craigslist no programs. That's a violation straight up, right? Now, my policy in the past, and this has changed recently because the, because the the housing agency that handles Section Eight in, the, in in Long Island is different. But um, I, I for a while I never I did not rent to Section Eight tenants. I didn't do it, right? And I couldn't say that. But if they came and said, "Do you take vouchers?" I, I would say they, they they won't work in this building. Like they won't they won't accept the building. That's what I used to say. Yeah. Because I over the years I had evicted certainly a higher percentage of Section Eight tenants than others. My thought has always been that now Section Eight is is, is a pro, is, is there's pros and cons to it, right? The pros are you're getting a, a wire every month for a big portion of the rent directly from the government. It hits the first, you don't have to collect it. It's great. Tenant you know pays a small percentage of it. Sometimes they pay nothing, but usually pay a small percentage. That's the great pros of it. The, the con is that you're usually getting a lower class of tenant. I've had great Section Eight tenants and I've had uh, terrible Section Eight tenants. So I stopped. My my point of where I thought it would weigh sense is when Section Eight was at market rent. Now for probably ten years, Section Eight was not at market rent in Long Island, right? You used to be able to get eighteen hundred and sixty eight dollars for a two bedroom, where I could easily rent a two bedroom in most of these places for twenty four hundred. Yeah. So you're giving up a big portion. But this new company, CDCLI, took over and they raised it. They raised the the um, allowable amounts. So at this point, it's something to think about. But you have to be like something like no, like you don't want programs. You can't you can't tell people that. You can't, like, say, you can't it. say it. You have to just you, do it. Refusing to waive a no pet policy for tenants that require a service system or support. So, I mean, I, you saw that video where the guy brought a, an emotional support peacock onto a plane. Like people will do anything. All you have to do is buy a stupid jacket that says service animal. I have an emotional support horse. Um, <laughs> refusing to rent to a renter is a victim of domestic violence. How do I know if they're a victim of domestic violence? Refusing to make reasonable accommodations to a property or reasonable accommodations to policies that are necessary for a person with disability use housing. Think about that. Oh, my, I forgot to tell you, my brother's in a wheelchair. You've got to put a ramp in here. Instructing a realtor acting as a ranger to convey to you any limitation on that. Blah, blah, blah. What can happen if a landlord violates fair housing laws? 
assessing money damages and or attorney's fees, imposing civil fines and penalties, requiring changes to lenders' policy and practice, making the housing available to prospective tenants. They can force you to rent to somebody because they said they had emotional support elephant. So um, you got to be very careful. You got to be careful. It's, it's, be it's careful. not easy. Most you got to get not, a good attorney. You have to have a good attorney to make sure you're doing this. You smart. have to be very careful. You probably you probably should record every interaction you have with the prospective tenant. That's probably yep. I've had that happen with one tenant that you know about where it got that bad. And now there's a there's two intermediaries between us and them or me and them because it got so fucking dicey. Yes. And she started recording my calls because I was a psycho, understandably so. And Crazy. Dicey. Crazy. So here's the here's the point of the podcast. Do your research, know the laws, get a good attorney for heaven's sakes if you're in this business for the long haul, or even if you're just doing one rental. Do not trip over pennies on your way to rental dollars. And hopefully this show uh, taught you a lot about what to do and what not to do when it comes to getting tenants. We'll talk with everyone on the next episode.